eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Second time in as many weeks and for the fifth time this season, it is a victory Monday. Thank you for joining us here at Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. We're going to get into all of it. Tua is him. Tyreek's a baller. Mike Kosicki continues to be the one and only golden retriever this team needs. But before we get into all that, an absolutely stellar day to be a Dolphins fan. Need the voice of Dolphins Twitter to come in and show me what's good. So Joshua, what's up, buddy? How's it going today, man? What, 24 hours away from the trade deadline? Dolphins victory. It's Halloween. I'm getting ready to go trick-or-treating as long as it doesn't rain. I am on cloud nine, man. I mean, after that performance at two ahead, I mean, you really could not ask for more. I'm doing great, Jake. How you been, man? Oh, man, that Dolphins game makes everything so, so much better. And it's it's a very interesting week, man. You wake up Monday morning. Uh, Robert Quinn was already traded. We saw that. Josh, the Bears, we're, it's weird we're jumping Shaking into this. My but, head. but with our luck, I already tweeted about this, but I'm going to say all this and we're going to have a nice pod. And then as soon as we get off, there's going to be an update about the Dolphins making a trade. So I want to get all that stuff out of the way now. Uh, Josh, Raekwon Smith was also just traded for a second and a fifth round pick to Baltimore. That's interesting going into next week. We'll get to that. But Josh, also Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill are doing a little flirting on Instagram. There's been rumors the Dolphins are linked to Bradley Chubb. So Josh, what's going to happen while we're recording? 
I'm thinking the cream hunt trade. I mean, that's kind of where I'm leaning, but I mean, it's anyone's guess, man. As soon as we get off of here, the dolphins will make some blockbuster trade and we'll be sitting here and our podcast will be irrelevant before it even goes up. But dude, I don't know if you saw the compensation for Roquan Smith. I mean, that's a guy that I loved 25 year old stud off the ball linebacker. I kept saying maybe the dolphins trade for him didn't happen, but a second and a fifth to the Chicago bears in exchange um, Baltimore Ravens now have a very good middle linebacker. So the dominoes continue to fall Jake, but that's one less name that the Dolphins. Dolphins can go after, but as of right now, it sounds like, you know, Bradley Chubb, that's heating up. I don't know if you, uh, you were kind of the first person to speak that into existence. So I'm going to pat you on the back for that one. I, I think I do it, man, for a fir- for like that first round pick. I mean, especially when you look at the 49ers, when you have quarterback Christian McCaffrey throwing touchdowns and you have running back Christian McCaffrey running in touchdowns. And when you have receiver Christian McCaffrey catching touchdowns, you have to think that 49ers team is going somewhere. So, so man, I think that first round pick, uh, I do it for them. I, I'm curious, would you be happy if the Dolphins made that trade for uh, Smith and it's a second and a fifth? Uh, the Roquan Smith, are you talking about? Yeah, um, yeah I, I would have been okay with that. I mean, it makes sense. Again, I think the Dolphins have an issue at linebacker, but like I continued to, you know, I tweeted it out there, threw it out there into existence, and Twitter kind of reminded me, you know, the game's changed. You know, these off-the-ball linebackers aren't making, you know, as big of an impact, and they're not getting paid. So when the Dolphins, you know, they're struggling with the secondary, you're struggling to get to the quarterback. That's where Bradley Chubb comes in. Sounded like the Jets were also kind of vying for him, but uh, I think they bailed out. We at saw least, what uh, happened last yeah, time. We saw yeah, those two competing. Everyone wants to go to Miami, so um, I'm sad that Dolphins didn't make that trade for Roquan Smith, but I still think they're in the driver's seat. They're definitely going to be buyers. And um, with you, Jake, man, I think Bradley Chubb would enhance that pass rush. I guess the biggest thing I would wonder is then what do you do with Emmanuel Agba, who you literally just signed? I mean, he's having a bad year, but I don't know that you can keep all those guys and sign a Christian Wilkins, then eventually sign to a lot of moves for the Dolphins to make. But, you know, they're in win now mode, five and three. You need that pass rush. Go get Bradley Chubb and we'll figure it out later. All right, Josh, that's enough trade talk, I think. Let, let's get into it. Let's get into you're dying to talk about it. I'm dying to talk about it. Tua Tungavailoa and this Miami Dolphins offense. I can't even talk. I'm so jazzed up. Josh, Tua went 29 of 36 for 382 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And Josh, let's be completely honest here. It's four touchdowns and no interceptions. And then those who know absolutely know that Trent Sherfield got into the end zone on that play. Yeah, Trent Sherfield was definitely in the end zone, and Tua kind of seemed a little bit upset that they didn't review that play and, you know, give him credit because, like he said, Trent Sherfield's always blocking. He wanted to give him that touchdown, but, man, Tua Tungavaloa was automatic. I mean, he almost looked like when you play Madden and you, you know, booted up on all Madden and those quarterbacks that you're going against just do not miss. I mean, he was on fire, man. Um, we talked about the rust the week prior. We saw no rust. Uh, I, I don't even know, man. Uh, words can't describe this performance that he had because, I mean, yes, the Lions had a banged-up secondary like we discussed on the pregame, but, uh, dude, he went out there, executed, came back from that big deficit and showed the world that, you know, he is quarterback one in Miami and they better start figuring out a way to free up some cap space because if he continues to play like this, man, that's going to be the next thing we're talking about. And that's kind of the thing, right? I, th- I think you look at this matchup, and I think that was kind of our big thing in the preview pod was that, Tua should play really well in this game, right? And, and you know, you think about the fact Detroit loves playing its man defense. Uh, there were situations where Detroit guys were lining up like two yards on Miami's side of the, uh, you know, ball, which was incredible to see. I think the Lions even uh, fired their uh, secondary coach after this game. But, Josh, uh, I'm starting to think when you look at this performance, you know, the 382 yards, uh, pro football focus gave Tua the highest grade of any quarterback this season with the 96. Uh What stands out to me, man, nine of 13 on third and fourth down. And this is a team that averages 7.5 yards to go on third down. I go back to that one drive. What was it with with Skyler? And it was they completed like a third and 15 just for a penalty to come back. And it goes to a third and 25. And I think they still completed one of those. Man, 
Mike McDaniel, the more we're seeing, like, I, I think it's important to keep in mind we're always going to, we're not always, but this year we're going to get the rookie hiccups. We're going to get the rookie mistakes. But third downs are party tricks for Mike McDaniel. He is trying to prove to you that he can chug an entire 30 by himself. And so far, he's proven it with these play calls, man. He these, This is a team that's been unstoppable on third, on fourth down, despite the fact that, you know, seven and a half yards to go, that, that's not an easy situation to be in. Not at all. And if we do have to nitpick, you mentioned him being a rookie, you know, head coach. I mean, he should have challenged that touchdown for Sherfield, right? I mean, what would have happened if they went back? You know, there was a hole of 10 yards and ended up having to kick a field goal there. I mean, he, I don't think he'd be able to forgive himself um, if, if you know, that was the situation. But, dude, the Dolphins continue to get put back against the wall, you know, third and longs, like you mentioned it too. I mean, that's when he stood in there and made some of the biggest throws. I did a cut up, man. I mean, it was just play after play. You know, he knew exactly where he was going with the football, read the coverage. His accuracy is, you know, unbelievable, man. I mean, I just uh, continue to see people say that Tua is him. I know you even had it written down here, and I'm just thinking, dude, if I see one more person tweet Tua is him, I'm going to lose my damn mind. I mean, but what that basically means is this dude is, let's be honest, man, the best quarterback that we've seen in a Dolphins uniform since the great number 13. I don't know how you felt, Jake, seeing them two kind of embracing each other after this win, but, I mean, that sums up everything. And to think about all the podcasts we did over the last three years, you know, the up and down, the roller coaster of emotions, man, for Tua to come back, um, I mean, right now he's just playing out of his mind. I think I saw one stat where he was the first Dolphins quarterback ever, I think, to throw for over 350 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions and a win or something crazy like that. I mean, he just continues to stack up, you know, one improbable feat after another. And it just, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we just hope to see Tua take that next step. And now he's doing so much more. And again, just an all-around great performance. And it's kind of easy, too, when you have those wide receivers that he has at his disposal. Tua on throws of 10 yards or more in week eight, 15 of 18 for 294 yards, three tutties and a perfect 158.3 perfect passer rating. And Josh, if we're going to talk about perfect, Tyreek Hill, man, this guy... I feel like we're doing a disservice to our listeners because all I can do is come on here and be like, holy crap, this guy is absolutely incredible, man. He caught 12 of 14 targets, 188 yards. He didn't get into the end zone, man, but 12 of 14 targets go for completions. You think about how this team was taking shots down the field. Tyreek Hill, yes, there were a couple of underthrown balls, but his ability to kind of come back, his ability to go up and fight for balls has been absolutely incredible to see. Uh, you consider the fact that Tua, if you want to go with that rust argument last week, there were six incompletions to Tyreek Hill last week. Uh, so that kind of puts into comparison about what this team can be when it's absolutely on. And Josh, just one more stat to put in your pipe and smoke. The 2012 Detroit Lions had Kelvin Johnson, who's averaging 122.8 yards per game. The 2022 Miami Dolphins had Tyreek Hill averaging 120 yards per game. Man, I'd love to know what that looked like if, you know, Tua was the quarterback all, all eight weeks so far. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, guess what we're hoping for most moving forward, you know, knock on wood that his health can stay there because when he is healthy, that's not the issue. But man, Tyreek Hill, I mean, we can talk about till we're blue in the face. I mean, I tweeted it out. What's most impressive is, you know, he's, he went above, like he's above and beyond our expectations. You know, when we thought which this trade was going, yeah, which is absolutely insane. I mean, we knew the Dolphins were getting a special player, but, you know, you thought there were some issues maybe with his character, you know, just assuming, you know, the way these diva receivers are, it's nothing like that. I mean, we talk about it pot after pot. I mean, he goes out there, he's on pace for what, 2000 yards, I think this season for shattering the record. I mean, this guy has done everything we hope for and more. He's the leader in the locker room. You know, he's saying all the right things. And I think one of the coolest things he said, Jake, was after this was what his, was this his fourth 160 plus yard game, correct? I think there's only been, was it Mark Duper had six too as well. Yeah. So, um, and that was in his entire what, through 80 some games. I mean, Tyree Kill's done it through eight games, but I think what was so cool was he said, you know, I expect that from myself. 
So does my parents. So do my kids. So does everyone that knows me. I'm a workaholic. I eat, sleep, and I'll die on this hill of playing football. I'm not surprised at all. My parents raised a different breed. And I mean, that sums it up, man. Again, we knew Tyreek Hill was a playmaker. We knew what he could do from an outsider's perspective, but just everything he's done to just, you know, rally, bring these guys up to his level, really. I mean, Jalen Waddle's playing out of his mind. We'll talk about that next. I mean, this receiving core, if they could just have someone emerge as that, you know, kind of number three target, which we're starting to see Gasicki a little bit, but if they could have Cedric Wilson do what we thought, maybe, you know, when they paid him, maybe have Eric Ezukoma do something. I mean, if you bring in a third pass catcher into this thing and you already have two, uh, and you already have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle putting up, you know, unbelievable numbers. I mean, I don't know that the, how does the defense game plan for that then, Jake? Man, this is so tough because there's so many stats I want to say. But before we get to Waddle, one more Tyree Kill stat for you, Josh. You mentioned four games with 160 receiving yards. The rest of the league has done that five games combined. The Dolphins have started backup quarterbacks multiple times this year, Josh. The fact that Hill's done this, the fact he can do this and, and look the rest of the league in the eyes and say I'm right there is is absolutely incredible. And Josh, you know, we're just going to do it. We're going to be that advertising commercial. I'm Billy Mays here with OxyClean, and I got to say, wait, there's more. Not only do you have Tyree Kill, you have Jalen Waddle, who caught eight of nine targets for 106 yards, two touchdowns, and a lot of waddling, man. I can't think of anything that'd be more depressing than opposing defense than seeing a nice, adorable waddle by the entire Dolphins team. And he does it so good, too. And then you see Christian Wilkins <laughs> running up out of nowhere. I mean, uh, again, perfect compliment. And, you know, they do compliment each other. I think you saw in that one play, too, it threw a laser. You know, it was so perfect, that throw. He hit uh, Jalen Waddle on stride. I think it was the second touchdown. But you saw the defense. They were double-teaming Tyree Kill, and it was just pitch and catch, basically. But I think, you know, what's so cool, Jake, is I'm looking at it right now. Most receiving yards by teammates in their first eight games, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle have... 1,688 yards combined, and that is the most through eight games ever in NFL history, man. So um, the Dolphins are truly doing special things, and I think this is all what we expected. Again, when you when you drafted Tua, you know you knew you knew you needed to bring some weapons around him. I don't know about you, Jake. Did you see the separation thing? I mean, that was all that we talked about for what uh, the better part of two seasons. How these Dolphins receivers couldn't separate, and you look at it, Lim Bowden, Devontae Parker. I mean, you're not surprised that those guys couldn't separate. But right now, the Dolphins, I think they're creating what three, a little over three yards per route, you know, of separation. So when you have that ability to to get that free away from a defender i mean it's then they just to a putting the ball where it needs to be so dude i'm excited to see what Jalen waddle does i mean i kind of had written down here if i'm going after a guy in fantasy football i might be going after Jalen waddle because of his rapport you know him and the chemistry that him and tua have and then tyree kill opening things up for him i mean these are two very special receivers it's just crazy that when this trade went down never in our wildest dreams could we have expected it to to go this way through eight games and i just hope that you know the best is still yet to come they kind of remind me of like a, a three-on-three basketball team, Tyreek, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Tua. And Tyreek's the one who's been in the league for like six years and kind of has this 3v3 stuff down and is just kind of putting both Tyreek or putting both Jalen and uh, Tua on his shoulders saying like, here, let, let's do this together and really teaching him how to be an absolute stud. So, man, it's been a lot of fun to watch these guys really just kind of synergize so incredibly well. Uh, but you got to wonder, man, who is going to be that third fiddle? We saw some Braylon Sanders with River Craycraft being inactive. Uh, Sanders, he had a pretty tough fumble early in the game, but you see what made him be part of this Dolphins roster. He's got that speed. Uh, Josh, 
I want two guys that I think could be that third fiddle. First of all, man, Mike Gesicki caught three or four targets for 38 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the game-winning TD, I think it was like Tua's fourth read, something like that. Gesicki even said I was not expecting the ball. Me and Tua were on the same page on that. And, man, don't discredit Trent Sherfield. You mentioned his ability to block. I think if you can get him, you know, three, four targets a game and he can catch, you know, 75% of them, man, that I think that's really all you need from, like, that third wide receiver, especially, you know, Raheem Mostert, you know, hopefully Mike Gesicki six around and I, I i think he's a solid third fiddle man especially you know river craycraft if he's healthy you can kind of plug him in there and be that guy too they can all do these different things that i th- you can tell why mike mcdaniel wanted these guys on the team is i guess what i'm trying to get to yeah i mean i can't argue that and i mean that's why eric Ezucom is yet to be called up you know that's probably why we haven't really seen cedric wilson i mean craycraft sherfield they all had experience previously in this offense so to see them you know having success really shouldn't surprise too many people not to get too far off track jake but i want to go back to waddle um just because this is funny. Waddle has five touchdown receptions this season, which are the most by Dolphins player in the team's first eight games since 2014, since Mike Wallace had five. So I just had to throw that out there because there's a Mike Ooh. Wallace stat. Um, so for me, Jake, I'm hoping Eric Ezukoma, you know, eventually gets called up. Eventually we get to see that playmaker that we saw during preseason. I cannot stop thinking about Wes Welker's comments about how, you know, he's still a little bit behind. It's not the same as Texas Tech where they're reading play cards off the sideline. But at some point, I think he needs to be active. And um, I want to get your thoughts, man. You mentioned Mike Kosicki I think that right now is the third target in that offense I mean that dot that Tua threw to him I mean the touch on that thing was just so freaking awesome man but um give me your thoughts Mike Mike Kosicki's not getting traded right please tell me he's not because I think after our last pot I'm leaning towards please don't trade Mike Kosicki Man, I'm so feeling that way too. You can just tell he, you know, he's just such a fun part of the team. You even have him, you know, uh, I think the Dolphins posted on Instagram that he's second in in franchise history and receiving yards with some 2400, something along those lines. And Gasicki even commented on it that Tyreek's going to have me beat by week 14. So, man, I, th- I think he's just such a great piece of glue that holds this team together. Uh, Josh, one last thing before we take a break here that I want to get your thoughts about because it's a little concerning. Uh, seven penalties for 55 yards doesn't seem bad, but man, there had to be six, seven different calls that were declined. Christian Wilkins alone was offsides like five times. It was a very, very tough situation for the second week in a row in terms of the Dolphins and these penalties. Yeah, Jake, I mean, these boneheaded mistakes, I mean, those are going to be what ultimately cost the Dolphins a win or a loss, you know, later down the road when you're playing these tougher teams that maybe aren't the Detroit Lions. So I hope they get it fixed. I mean, I guess I'd rather it be these dumb boneheaded penalties than, you know, just seeing the Dolphins just are unable to execute or, you know, they just, uh, their defense is pretty lackluster, you know, something like that. So I hope they can overcome it. I hope that Mike McDaniel is, you know, trying to beat it into their head. Maybe they need to bring back the TNT wall. I don't know. I don't know what they got to do there, Jake, but I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. And um, if we're talking about the offense, can we talk about how well they played? I mean, they look pretty damn good. Didn't they? That offensive line. I saw Brandon shell throw Aiden Hutchinson to the side, like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. We continue to see Teron Armstead playing well. And I think even Robert Jones, when he came in for Liam Eikenberg, who, um, you know, hopefully Liam Eikenberg gets better. Cause that looked brutal, but that offensive line, man, for two weeks in a row, they've been playing pretty damn good. It's kind of, refreshing to see you know you sign someone like Brandon Shell to in hopes of answering some sort of question at left tackle but in reality man you found a really nice right tackle there who's been in the league for some time a very consistent presence uh he looked great against the run game you know go find that clip of Aiden Hutchinson I'm sure you can uh and then Robert Jones at left guard man here's where things get interesting you know you hope Liam Eichenberg's all right but if you're under the impression he's gonna miss a couple weeks I thought Robert Jones looked pretty uh pretty solid But at the same time, man, I think this is the last week we can really have Austin Jackson return. Otherwise, he's going on IR for the rest of the day. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, we go back to Mike McDaniel and his injury report. You know, he kind of tiptoes around. It kind of doesn't tell you the full story. At this point, I mean, we thought Austin Jackson was coming back, what, almost a month ago? I mean, it sounded like, you know, he could be returning. And now we're sitting here wondering if he comes back at all this year. And, um, you know, before I sat here and said, you know, we can't wait for him to come back, you know, get Greg Little out of there. Brandon Shell's played pretty well. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to, you know, Austin Jackson doesn't have a, yeah, doesn't have a position on this roster when he comes back, but um, we've seen growth from Brandon Shell and it's crazy because he is the veteran. And since he's come up, you know, that right tackle spots look pretty well. So um, I I guess that's a good problem to have, right? As long as Austin Jackson does get activated, that'd be a good problem to have. Um, The run game though, I guess it didn't really get as established as we would have hoped, right? I mean, we saw Chase Edmonds. He didn't have any drops, you know, Raheem Mostert looked good on the ground, but once the Dolphins went down 14, nothing, I mean, they use, use the play action, you know, they try to, you know, stay honest with the run game. But for the most part, it was just throw, throw, throw. But um, again, that's probably a place that I think maybe for the Dolphins, you'd feel a little uneasy. Joe Philbin style and might be looking to, again, a Kareem Hunt or some of those other running backs before tomorrow's deadline. But what were your thoughts on the run game as a whole, Jake? And we even saw Salvin Ahmed out there a little bit. Salvan Ahmed got his first rush of the season. He got a whopping two yards out of it. Uh, man, it, it's one of those things where we're just sitting here. We're still waiting. It looked like there were a couple different times where Raheem Mostert, you know, he finished the day with 14 carries for 64 yards along a 13. But there were some situations where it seemed like he just couldn't break that last arm tackle to really pop something open and get it in the open field. Um, You're right. Once you're down that quick, that early, it really does kind of morph what you're trying to do. But Josh, this is probably the craziest stat that, that blew my mind in terms of Miami's rushing attack. That was Alec Ingold's first career rushing touchdown on that uh, play following Trent Sherfield being down inside the end zone. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I, I I mean, things were going crazy during the game. You know, Twitter's just going rapid pace. But I, that was you. That Weren't you the first person to tweet that out? At least that was the first person I think I might have saw say that. I mean, that's wild to me to think, you know, again, he's a fullback, sure but he pass catches a little bit, you know, they do different things with them. You would think in them goal line situations, you know, the Raiders or would have utilized them in that way. So I was surprised. I mean, I like that play call, right? I mean, I honestly thought too, it was pissed off the way they were lining up on the wrong side of the ball. And turns out it was just an Alec Ingold sneak up the middle. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that this offense, at least in the red zone this this week, you know, they were on fire on all cylinders. They were able to punch that football in because in weeks past, I mean, those touchdowns, we had to settle for field goals. And that's ultimately what cost the Dolphins some of those games. A very, very special day for the offense, that is for sure. Go watch all the Tua highlights you can. I mean, that what an incredible performance. Uh, absolute chef when it comes to cooking on third down. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch him, especially when he's healthy. Let's take a quick break here on the other half. We're going to talk about a Miami Dolphins defense that was certainly chilling in the first half before going absolutely ham in the second, so stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Joshua, they had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. This Miami Dolphins defense, man, looked pretty crazy. They gave up 27 points in the first half. It was sad. It was depressing. It was disappointing. But you kind of at the same time saw a full game plan from them. But I'll get into that soon, Josh. I want to just get your initial reactions to what you thought of this unit. 
Yeah, I mean, at first, my thoughts were like everybody, Wolf, this this sucks. You know, maybe we shouldn't have been, you know, overlooking the Detroit Lions. I mean, I think Hawkinson had a big play. There was even one point where Khalif yep. Raymond had a catch on um, Xavier Howard and almost put him through like uh, the wash cycle. And I'm just sitting there thinking, Houts, that's all your fault. Yeah. You said, yeah, I was like, who's Khalif? Caliph uh, Raymond on the pod. And of course he was going to haunt us. But um, I think the thing I like is that they continue to dig deep. I mean, they weren't getting to the quarterback, you know, they didn't force those takeaways that we become so accustomed to, but the way they just came out in the second half and just looked like an entirely different unit. I mean, we all saw the video, uh, Mike McDaniel right on the sidelines. I think he turned to someone. He's like, bro, fix this effing stuff. And uh, they went into the half and they fixed it and turned it around. So second week in a row, I think they haven't allowed any points in the second half. I mean, um, we talk about Ben don't break, you know, we know all the injuries in the secondary. We know some of the different things the Dolphins have over, had to overcome to go out in that second half and completely blank, you know, the Detroit Lions offense who in the first half, like you mentioned, looked like they were just scoring at will. Um, that, that was pretty impressive. And I just always wish I was a fly on the wall to know, you know, what was going on in that locker room that, you know, maybe they didn't come into the game thinking, you know, that the Lions were going to attack them in that way. So great effort, great job by Josh Boyer to make those adjustments. And again, a great job by those players to step up, um, Awesome performance uh, in the second half. Yeah, and you kind of wonder what one or two more playmakers would do to this unit. Josh, like, Detroit's bad, and you could tell by their defense that they're a very bad team. The offense stepped up and did their thing, but th this is a pretty interesting offense. You consider, you know, you're playing at home, you're playing in a dome, you got Amon Ross St. Brown back, you got DeAndre Swift back. Jamal uh, Williams is absolutely awesome, man. He's so much fun to watch. Um 27 points is a lot, man. It is an absolute lot. And, you know, I don't think it's as simple as uh, they, they switch things up, right? Or, or they flip the switch in the second half to go from 27 all the way down to zero. I, I don't think it's that, you know, cut and dry. I do think if you had someone like a Byron Jones in there to make one more, you know, third down stop, or, you know, you had a Bradley Chubb who can get to the quarterback one more time, all of a sudden 20 points and a half and, and slowing them down also looks relatively possible. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Because this is a defense that, you know, they make you work for it. They try to avoid the big plays. And I think things build up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think both Javon Holland and Alandon Roberts tackled a dude through another dude in this game. I think Alandon Roberts tossed Jamal Williams on his head. Xavier Howard absolutely laid out a Monroe St. Brown. It's like you're going to get opposing teams are going to get completions. They're going to score touchdowns. But if you're going to get the snot kicked out of you on every single play, that's going to show throughout the game. And I think this is the second week in a row where we saw this defense give up some big plays and really struggle. But before you know it, you have opposing teams kind of looking, you know, over their shoulder because you have these guys who are going to hit you and they're going to punish you uh, if they give you 14 yards, if that even makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I mean, if they're going to get yards, you may as well make them pay for it, right? And there were absolutely some monster hits. The one I, you know, you brought up the Xavier Howard one. I mean, he didn't even budge, man. It looked like something out of that in the way he just nailed him, kind of walked away like, yeah, that's right. Um, Atlanta Roberts continues to toss dudes. I joked he had an angle slam there, but another player that stood out, man, was Zach Sealer. This was his hometown. Uh, He came home to his hometown, Detroit, I guess, got two pass deflected, got those big paws up there, had the one sack, one tackle for loss. He was all over the place, and I guess this is starting to make the Dolphins wonder who are they going to keep, right? I mean, you got to sign Christian Wilkins to a new deal. You Zach Sealer just signed Drew Rosenhaus, so I, can you bring both those guys back? I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I don't know that you can, so uh, I'm sorry I'm spinning out of control here. But, man, that defense is laying the wood. The secondary is getting better. We saw Cater Coho, you know, he went out there. Darth Cater was making some plays at a tackle for mm -hmm. loss in the backfield. You know, it was looking good, so um, – 
again, man, if the Dolphins defense is going to allow 27 points and the offense gets score 31, I guess I'm okay with that, especially if they clamp down the second half. And that's exactly what they did. But to your point, man, if they get another playmaker, you know, I want Roquan Smith. They're, they're not getting Roquan Smith. Bradley Chubb, though, I mean, what he would do to that pass rush, which would also help the secondary, I mean, um, that's where I guess maybe I, sh- I would attack by the Dolphins. But again, man, that Detroit Lions offense was much better than what they were over the last few weeks. Now they had DeAndre Swift and some of those other pieces back. Credit to the Dolphins defense for stepping up and making plays when they needed it most. Josh, when the Heat were really good, the Miami Heat were really good, you know, the early 2010s, a big reason for that is because Andy Ellisberg was an absolute magician in terms of staying under the salary cap. Over the last, like, 10 years, we've kind of been able to envision how the Dolphins operate with their salary cap from, you know, 2019 when they led the league. I think it was close to like 60 million in dead money. You saw the vision, Um, you know, a few years before that, you saw how they could get Ndamukong. So you saw how they could get Mike Wallace. Uh, I think it's time to see the Dolphins do something with their salary cap. We can't obviously pick up on, right? I think they're at that point where, you know, everyone every week is like, oh, the Rams, I can't believe they traded their picks. How are they below the salary cap? Well, the guys who are in there in the trenches, I I think it's a lot easier for them than, you know, all of us being in awe and shocked. I'm not saying it's easy, but like they can see that vision. So for me, man, if it's Bradley Chubb, if it's trying to keep Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins, it's possible. It is very much possible. We saw teams keep cores together before. And to me, man, this is, I think, you know, we saw Tua step up, right? Uh, you know, we saw the defense, Javon Holland, 12 tackles step up. How about see this front office step up and put together a little bit of a saucy salary cap situation where it might look a little scary. You might be a little close to that cap, but everyone's still on the roster. Sign me up, man. However they got it. I mean, we talk about it. We talk about it before, right? The salary cap's a joke. I mean, you see these other teams manipulate them. I mean, when we get off of here, we'll see Roquan Smith probably sign an extension. That's just, you know, you're sitting there looking at how the hell do the, how the, how can the Ravens afford that? I mean, they find ways to do it. So um, yeah, man, pinch that salary cap, bring Donna Ponte back and then let her figure this out. Let's, you know, use every <laughs> ounce of the salary cap we can to, to, make this push that we're hoping to make this season. Last thing, Jake, about the Dolphins' defense, Detroit 67 total yards was its lowest output in the second half of a game since December 29, 2019 versus the Packers. It was the fewest yards allowed by the Dolphins in the second half since December 19, 2021 versus the Jets, which was also 54 yards. So, um, I mean, I guess that wasn't too long ago since the Dolphins have been that stymied in, you know, in the second half. But, again, credit to them because if they don't hold the Detroit Lions, you know, scoreless, this is a whole different game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like credit to Josh Boyle. Let's just hope that we're not sitting here back against the wall praying for a second half comeback like we did this time because I don't think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be able to bring us back as much as we hope. You know, he's not going to be able to do this every time. But then again, maybe he can with all his weapons. You win a game by scoring 16 points, then you win a game by scoring 30. It's good. you're not going to be able to do that every game, but the fact you can do it against the the you know opponents where the matchup looks good is so so important. Josh, it's a victory Monday, so I'm going to hit you with one last last thing. Um, you're someone who listens to every single press conference. You know what everybody's talking about. What was wrong with Christian Wilkins, man? Where it was like four plays where he was offsides. Did we get any sort of explanation of where they were lining up, what they thought was happening, what actually happened, anything along those lines? I did not hear anything. I'm sorry. I was the post game. He didn't really say much. And I think we're probably gonna have a press conference as soon as we get off of here that maybe I'll discuss it. But I mean, that was one of the most frustrating things besides, I guess him jumping on Zach Sealer's back. Yeah. I mean, when he jumped on Zach Sealer's back, I was like, yeah, that's sick. That's an awesome piggyback ride, but please don't do that. You don't, you don't want to hurt Zach Sealer the same way you did Preston Williams, who has never been the same.
Joshua, I want to thank you for spending this Victory Monday with me. Is just like I'd like to thank everybody who's listening to this pod for joining us and celebrating Victory Monday, letting us be part of it. We hope you're enjoying Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh show. We will be back on Wednesday. Well, you know, we might come back on Tuesday if there's any trade rumors. Did they trade for someone? I wanted to ask you before we get off here. Do you think a trade goes down? I mean, we got, what, 24 hours. Do you think something happens? I I think so. I don't know if it's something small. I it, the, the vision for me is something small is going to happen, and then everyone's going to get mad because it was something small, but the vision for this something small makes sense. Also, Josh, one more little note before I toss it back to you one last time. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, who was carted off on Sunday, suffered an MCL injury per source. Uh, that was from Tom Pelissero. Better news than initially feared, but he will miss some time. Yeah, that, that sucks. I mean, we were all down on Liam Eikenberg, but you never want to see him get carted off the field or anything like that. So hopefully a speedy recovery, and I guess hopefully Robert Jones can stand up. I mean, step up, because that was a guy who, you know, heading into the year, a lot of Dolphin fans at least wanted to see what he could do at guard. Let's see if he's ready to step up, because he really doesn't have a choice at this point. For Jake and Josh, for Finsider Radio, we will talk to you soon. We are so excited. We're hoping that this team bumps it to a three-game winning streak. But until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful day, and most importantly, Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.